Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I'm Cameron Tepsby. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn and Alex Goldberg, our third, is somewhere in Brooklyn dealing with his car, so he may or may not pop in for the second half of the program, where we will be celebrating Festivus. We're going to be airing some grievances. We're going to be, I don't know about, about feats of strength, but uh, whatever that looks like in a podcast, we'll try. And to celebrate Festivus this year, I think this is our third annual Festivus episode, we welcome in our friend from NBC Sports Boston, Max Letterman. Max, what is up? Nothing. Just great, uh, great basketball team we got here. Since oh, yeah. We'll talk about the Celtics on this episode, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do have a pretty good basketball team here in Boston, don't we? Um, so let's do the agenda, which starts with the news. Uh, there's some good news, some sad news, some somber news. Uh, a little bit of trade chatter. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we will celebrate Festivus by airing our grievances about the team, about the NBA, and just about life in general. So, Max, happy holidays. Welcome, everyone. Happy holidays. Justin, I'm sorry you have a cold, but happy holidays. Thank you. That's one thing I could put on the Festivus list later, but maybe I won't. It's pretty plebeian. I mean, it's a pretty obvious grievance, I would say. Uh, Let's start by noting that Eric Montrose... Uh, who played with the Boston Celtics for two seasons in the 90s, just passed. He was 52. He was diagnosed with cancer in March of this year. Um, They're thinking of his family. We're thinking of the UNC community. Um, But then also the Celtics community. He was drafted ninth overall in 1994, and he had two solid seasons here. So we'll start with that. Um, But let's transition to talk about basketball. So Boston just had a pretty awesome homestand, which featured two of those baseball series. Two games against Cleveland at home, two games against Orlando at home. The Celtics themselves kind of before the media could tease it out of them offered that this was like a mini playoff experience. So Max, the Celtics themselves have said, hey, you can compare this to the playoffs. What'd you think of the two home and homes and that home game against the Knicks while we're at it? You know, I think it was, it was, you know, especially coming right off of the tournament, uh, you know, at least the Celtics participation in the tournament was, yeah, it was pretty, you know, you have to game plan. And the thing about the Cavs one was, you know, last year they lost three times to them in overtime and they were all so close and, you know, and so it was a little like, you know, good measuring stick. I thought they weren't uh, full strength and they actually might not even really be a contender this year, whether you like their roster healthy or not, but they're not healthy. So they're missing a lot of dudes, but it was still impressive. They, you know, they ebbed and flowed a little bit. Um, they fought back. They took some punches and they withstood it. So I was really impressed with that, those two wins. And then I, you know, I was worried about the magic. I really was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really don't like the magic. I don't <laughs> like Mo Wagner. Uh, <laughs> first team all Max hate. Um, he's the starting center on that team. And I was really glad that they embarrassed him. They made him look silly uh, and foolish and really impressed with the Friday game. And then there was just an opportunity for a letdown on Sunday and, you know, earlier game, just all these built-in excuses, last game of a homestand. There's all these things in the NBA that they say, oh, well, the last game before a long road trip, um, you know, can sometimes be a letdown or the last game of a long road trip can be a big letdown or the first game. So there's all these built-in excuses. Point is, they came out, they won. They had some struggles, but they fought through it, and that was great. So, I look – as far as uh, playoff experience, I thought Joe coached great. He took some adversity uh, Friday, shorthanded, when you know every single center on the roster it felt like was out, and mm-hmm. then he came out and you know 
he put Lamar Stevens in and said he wouldn't blink if he uh, if he needed to put uh, Tatum at center. And I'm not exactly sure if he played center or not, but uh, there were some small lineups and it worked. He pushed the right buttons. The role players are feeling good. I think that's massive, especially, you know, as we get to the kind of the meh part of the season, you, you need to have guys engaged and having a good time. And so credit to Joe for sure. Uh, I think he can get a lot out of these matchups uh, and prepare for the playoffs. I'm not sure about the players, but I'm happy that they won, uh, especially those two against the Magic. Yeah, I thought just to piggyback off of what you were saying, that the diversity with which they won these games is really interesting. Yeah, that Jalen Brown went supernova Sunday night or Sunday afternoon in the fourth quarter. You had the bench mob game the Friday before that. You had Derek White had a big game. You had a comeback game. I mean, it wasn't just Jason and Jalen score 30 points each, and that's how they win. They're, they were winning in unique and interesting ways. Uh, Dr. Quinn, what about you? What were some of your takeaways from this homestand? Well, from the last game, the fact that Tatum went something like 8 of 23 from the floor and it didn't really even seem to matter at all uh, was pretty promising. Like a lot of, to piggyback off the all the excuses comment, there have been little things here and there throughout both of these uh, home and home series that would have led to a Celtics collapse season before, season before that, season before that. And now we are seeing them figure it out in real time. And it's really fun to watch. I, I don't think people are really enjoying this team early in the season as much as they should, because this is the best version of the Celtics that I've seen since they won a title. And I don't just mean that in terms of record. I mean, in terms of how they problem solve on the fly. Uh, I The fact that the, the big so-called Achilles heel, and it probably is still an Achilles heel for the team in the playoffs in terms of big man depth. I, I feel a lot better about that that uh, potentiality of going without a big man for a while. Uh, obviously, if you have to miss a key player in the front court for any extended period of time, it's going to be a game-planable problem for the other team in particular. But the fact that they can actually win a game against a quality opponent without really any big men of note was really impressive to me. And a Magic team that doesn't have like a big hulking center, but is long and lanky and can take it to you at the rim if they need to max um we'll stick with this this past week and a half any one player um I, specifically we're gonna talk about bench depth so maybe i'll steer you towards role players and the bench but any one player uh, jump off the page at you from these past few games yeah i think pritchard i mean hauser's been great all year as long as you don't start him keep him on the bench <laughs> great put him in the starting lineup he's terrible for some reason i don't know i think it's probably just his he wants to be more deferential when, you know, he's out there as a starter, but whatever. Peyton has been great. Uh, the last, He started terribly. He was awful. I was worried. Uh, you know, I got a lot of flack for tweeting that, you know, he's just not good enough and whatever. Um, I'm a, I'm open to changing my opinion. Uh, and it's my right. And uh, <laughs> I changed it because I think he's been great. And you know what? I'm going to give myself a little credit here because uh, I think he got a little boost from coming on uh, Celtics Post Up, America's most talked about weekly Celtics TV show. Also America's only weekly Celtics TV show. Uh, but he came on and he's been great ever since. Um, you know, the crypto P thing may have even gotten him going a little bit too. <laughs> uh, got called white chocolate the other night. I think Peyton has really played well because that, you know, it's not just scoring. Like he was in one of the crunch time games uh, against Cleveland. Didn't have great like stats, but he was solid. He was really solid. Gave Joe good minutes. I think his energy on defense too. He's not like some sieve, you know, I think people think him and Hauser are bad at defense and you can read into why, 
Um, but they're not terrible. They really, especially Hauser's length, uh, and he's a great rebounder. But uh, Peyton's he's pesky. He was fighting through screens on Sunday, and you know, obviously, he needs to hit shots, and he has been. Uh, but he's playing confidently, and I think that he's a great. Uh, it'll be a need, you know. There's you know, they're so good. They have six elite players, like a great top six, best in the NBA. But they're going to need a seven, an eight, and maybe even a nine um you know down the stretch and in the playoffs so it's great to see that so he's the one guy i would i would point out i'll, I'll also piggyback that one again because i'm i've been skeptical of peyton pritchard's role with this team and there were so many times sunday where like like there was this one sequence where he flew in baseline to like literally steal an offensive rebound pulled it out himself and then took a step back corner three and drained it and i was just like Look, I'm not sure he always fits in in the geography and the offense organically, and I'm, I have questions about the defense, but he's a tough, he was a four-year college player, he's a smart guy, and he knows how to insert himself in a game that other guys don't have that instinct. So I'm with you. I, I'm not ready to eat crow, but I'm also not ready to dig in my heels. I'm curious about where Pritchard ultimately fits into this puzzle, and I'm also curious if he proves himself to be good enough that actually he becomes a valuable trade chip. So there's kind of a weird, we'll talk about trade stuff in a second, uh, catch 22, where if like actually he's playing well enough, Boston could maybe tickle someone's fancy into trading for the right uh, extra big man or something like that. So we'll put a pin in that, unless Justin, you also want to talk about Peyton Pritchard right now. Okay, I want to pause the action here and tell you that you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, and you can take a look at things like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonuses are issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 24-7-SUPPORT. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call. 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, back to the action. No, I do want to say that Lamar Stevens needs to see the floor, at least occasionally. That was a really good yeah. performance for someone who has not really seen any significant floor time this season. Yeah, I'm still also very curious about Banton. I, I don't know that the data backs that up yet, but just a unique skill set, unique body size. Um it is the dog days of or approaching the dog days of the regular season, but that might hope, hopefully means we get to see new looks, new players. I'm not sure. So let me um, stitch some of our agenda together, Justin. So we want to talk about whether or not big depth concern is overblown, Max. And we want to talk about whether or not the bench depth overall is a concern. But I'll enter into the record that... Uh, Shams Tarania of The Athletic says that the Celtics will be looking to add bench depth uh, ahead of the trade deadline. So whether or not we think it's a problem, reportedly the front office is going to take a flyer on it. So Max, where are you at with the bench depth? And here at the Celtics Lab podcast, we're specifically concerned with the big man rotation. 
Um, you know, I do think that they probably should, uh, you know, acquire somehow uh, another big a body. Um, you know, probably an upgrade over Luke Cornett if if possible. But that's just I don't know. Like, you know, ideally, yes. You know, you'd like I, even someone like Andre Drummond. I would like just not a great you know offensive player, but just a rebounder, just someone that can come in and just get some boards when you're up fifteen. Yes, the you know the other team can hack him. And he'll make one of two free throws, but um, at the end of the day, you know, you don't need him to be like the centerpiece, um, you know, because I think I don't know if there's a player out there that like can if Al and, and Porzingis get hurt can like you could still win a championship. You know, I don't think that's realistic. And so I do just think it's another body because um, I don't I. I like Keita. Uh, he seems like a fun guy. I like his energy. I'd like to see him get a little bit more playing time, but also, man, he's, he's wild. <laughs> he's, he's an adventure. I, you know, he's played, he played good uh, these past couple games, but uh, I just don't think he can ever be counted on in big, meaningful games. Um, at least not yet. And I don't think he's really like a guy that they're going to keep around to develop. Um, but so like, yes, I do think that they should get another big, but that may be something that's just like a buyout thing, but. Because, you know, the, with the luxury tax and they don't have like they have a lot of little player, you know, contracts that they can all cobble together. They have a what's this, a six and a half million dollar exemption. But again, that doesn't exempt them from the luxury tax, I don't think. So um, that would be you know tricky as well. So you're, you're probably moving a player uh, and a pick or something. So like, who is that? And I, to me, I just think it's probably more realistic to get another wing or a guard. But. I do think that if I if I had my choice, it would be a, a quality big that it wouldn't be crazy if they played in the playoffs in like an emergency. Uh, first of all, I, Justin, I know you want to hop in. I just want to compliment you, Max. I think we've talked about Andre Drummond every week <laughs> of this NBA season. There's not a lot of guys the... out there, though. So, yeah, Justin. Um, but your eyes lit up when Max mentioned Kata. You want to hop in on that? Yeah, I agree that he, uh, I mean, he fouled out in 18 minutes of, of play, I think the game before last. So he he's not going to carry you through a playoff round, but he could probably help you come up with a couple of different looks in a playoff series if you are missing one of your, your primary bigs for more than, say, two games. That said, maybe in the first round. So they do need to find somebody who can play at least some bigger minutes. Maybe they can split the difference and find like a forward who is like six, eight ish or taller and can do some interesting things that aren't really exactly centerish, but can at least help put some bodies on the court. So you can still get some rebounds and stuff like that. But as Max said, they're not winning a title if they're missing really even probably one of the two main bigs for, for too much of the time. So maybe we need to pump the brakes on anything that's, you know, going to happen. That's very in the realm of realistic. Uh, one of the things that we have on our agenda is from James Edwards, the third of the athletic uh, talking about beef stew, Isaiah Stewart being a target of interest for the Celtics, which, you know, in theory, I am the biggest advocate. Yep, you're for. So, you've been on that. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no way to do it. I mean, I checked with uh, Yossi, uh, Goslin, our resident, shall we say, friend of the the podcast expert, to make sure <laughs> that I am not wrong about the the difficulty of bringing him on, and we would basically have to find someone making as much as Al Horford or more to to trade for him. Which at what point? What are you even doing there? 
Yeah, I think that there's a non-zero chance the Celtics would consider trading Al Horford if, like, look, last spring, and I said this before, I think he lost his bounce. I think he ran out of steam a little bit. And if for whatever reason, and I don't anticipate this happening, if that suddenly starts happening at the end of January, maybe Brad Stevens hits the nuclear button or whatever. But you're right that there's just not a lot of contracts to move. I mean, it's a game of chess. It's not uh, just like shopping around. It's just like you have to make the math math, you know? Um, the beef stew thing would be quite interesting. And Max, we crunched the numbers last episode or the episode before. By the skin of their teeth, they could afford to bring aboard Kelly Olenek if he is bought out. And I'll just let that flood out into the ether because they could not afford to trade for him uh, unless it's saying goodbye to Al Horford, which I don't think they will. I I honestly think that, man, I just, I really don't think they would trade out. I I think they should if it was in a situation, like you said, where you thought, you know, he's losing a step or like, but, you know, and I'd like to think that they would, you know, be solely focused on winning, but I, mm, it just, Danny, no question. Ainge would have, you know, absolutely no questions asked. He he does that. I think Brad might with Al specifically, because I don't know, you know, and I don't know, but Al did take a discount to return. And, you know, that's not something he, I would have said he would have done. I'm surprised and I'm glad and he wants to win. And I just feel like it would feel, and I know he traded Marcus, but like, it, a the little different. Was really good. It was like a good trade. He got two first round picks in Kristaps Porzingis. And it was like he didn't originally go out trying to trade Marcus. It just he had to and he did it. And it was a good deal. And at the time it was like, I'm trading you to a really good team in Memphis. So it wasn't that bad. But like I maybe he would do it, but I do think that would be a, a tricky thing for for Brad to do. But you know, I like Beef Stew because he's got that edge. He's got that I will fight LeBron James as a rookie edge. <laughs> that uh, I don't think this team has. I don't know. They don't necessarily need it, but, you know, I love that. They, they're they coming close to having that edge. I think Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis are all in the top 10 of for technicals, but most of them are just... Soft technicals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, so that's see. what I'm saying is, like, there's there's some gravel in their gut, but it's not necessarily geared towards anything other than Well, I have smoke. Some comments on this that I'll save for the, the Festivus. Oh hell yeah! Okay, you're good. Stealing good tease. One of my gripes, I can already tell, but you're the guest. Oh, but I haven't even. Uh, well, I'm biting my tongue now. Okay, well, let's finish up the news and then get to Festivus. How's that? Let's, I'm just gonna keep saying egregious things so we get angrier and angrier. Um, what else do we have? Well, Derek White All Star talk. No, uh, I mean the, the math doesn't math to uh, borrow a, a genius's quote. Yeah, it's cute. I would like to think that I was the first person to dub themselves the president of the Derek White fan club way back when, but no. Well, at least of which Zaza Pachulia and LaMelo Ball are going to be starting this all-star game because of the fan vote. So, and I know it's only 50%, but Max, am I wrong about this? I mean, there's no way Derek, who is playing as well as some of the all-stars are playing. Yeah, there's he no way he, it, but... Yeah, I mean it it's just all stars tough because you know there's you know there's only so many slots and you get to the classic if you think this guy should be in who should be out and there's just a long list of players that I think we all would agree deserve to be in it more than him um uh, but I love I love the topic man this is just like TV producer gold uh and I will say on <laughs> Celtics post up last Tuesday, uh, or was it Wednesday? I can't remember. But uh, Chris Forsberg's whole uh, shtick was 
his Forsberg's four was on getting, you know, reasons why Derek White should be in the all-star all-star game. And it's pushing that. And a lot of these awards are narrative. So, it, you know, I think we all agree. He's probably not going to make the all-star team and, and he probably shouldn't, but just getting that going, getting the narrative out there, it'll help him in other situations. I think, you know, assuming he stays healthy, he's an absolute lock for a first or second team all defensive. He's just been incredible. Him and Drew both have been awesome. Uh, his his offense is so important. You can just see it. A lot of times when the Celtics are in a funk and he comes into the game, it's just he defunkifies it. It's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, he's just great. He's perfect. Uh, I had no issue with the trade at the time. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be this good. I think the just the it made sense because it was like, all right, he's on the he's on the win now, but like still young timeline with these guys under contract and he's a connector they need connectors and boy he connects everything and you know it's we'll see how much money he makes but it's going to cost him but it was a great trade you know people quabbling about the the 2028 pick swap and i'm like man are we gonna have society in 2028 yeah. <laughs> like what i don't think we can worry about that so just win baby yeah I t- well for the all-star thing i uh- to tease a future episode, I've got seven guards ahead of Derek White and 11 forwards. So maybe it'll work. I mean, feel free to have me on your television program if you want to hear about my guards and my forwards. Um, I spent the past few years hoping somewhere the Celtics would find a quarterback point guard like Mike Connolly or Chris Paul or something, which is a rarity in today's NBA. And I think now Derek White and Drew Holiday are the perfect guards for this team because you, you use the right word. They're connectors. They're not quarterbacks. They're not setting the table. They're not necessarily moderating every play, but from the backcourt, they just make things happen. Um, yeah. We could wax poetic. I think for the next hour about Derek white, if we really wanted to, Justin, you want to get a word in on Derek white before we move on? No, just other than he's uh, really helping my fantasy team this year. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that he is a, League leader in blocks, because that's a really thing, handy thing to have in a guard, both in my stupid uh, fantasy play and, you know, the real actual basketball team. Yeah, that doesn't suck. All right. One last thing uh, for news. The Celtics are going to go and play all four California teams between now and Christmas, which should be a pretty tough swing. I mean, the Warriors are not quite the Warriors, but it's a road game in Golden State. That's tough. The Kings are frisky. The Clippers quietly look pretty good. And then the Lakers, you got to respect the Lakers. Um, Max, what are your expectations for this four-game California trip? And then also, what is the headline if they go two and two? Uh, well, it depends what the two are. like. So, like, if they lose to the Clippers and the Kings, but they beat the Warriors and the Lakers, success. Uh, I, I expect probably um, – I look, if I were them, sweep it. We just – swept our homestand let's just win every game they should absolutely you know i'm just i don't know if they'll be favorites in every game but i know that uh i was looking on the gambling apps we'll just call it FanDuel because it's the sponsor right thank you Um, (laughs) and the spread for the celtics you know uh lakers christmas game like a month ago was available it was like a point and a half or something betting on the celtics because when that game comes around I'd imagine it'll, the Celtics will be favored by much more than that. Um, and I think they will. I don't know. 
I'm not a, uh, an expert, but I just, they're way better. They're just really good. Um, they had a really like the hardest schedule in the NBA and they are up there with the best record or tied for the best record. I know what uh, the Timberwolves have done, but the, uh, the point is they should, their expectation should be four. No, but the, the most important games in my opinion are the first one and the last one. I want to beat the Warriors. I don't care if they're without Draymond. They're just, every time the Celtics play the Warriors, they have to beat them to like, rid themselves of the demons of the finals. And even last year, I think that the heat to one extent in early December, but that first Warriors game really kind of exposed some flaws. I think that we all sort of saw, but Mm -hmm. just looking from far away at the standings and the stats, you know, maybe people didn't notice, but I think there's a little bit of payback there um, for sort of exposing them last year. And then obviously beat the Lakers. Oh my God, you have to, it's Christmas. Uh, I just, you know, when I moved up here from Philadelphia, uh, the one thing, and I, I've probably told you guys this before that I could really connect with the people of Boston with was my hatred for the Lakers. Don't <laughs> like them, never like them. And I want them to lose every game. And I will make fun of them for that stupid in season banner and the Mickey mouse banner right next to their Mickey mouse championship banner. And yes, I will admit that if the Celtics had won that 2020 title, for the in-season title, they would be legitimate. But since they didn't and the Lakers won, they're illegitimate. Yeah, there's a pretty obvious exchange rate. I don't think we need to spell that out to, to people who are listening. Um, Dr. Quinn, any extra thoughts on the West Coast trip? Well, in terms of the quality of the teams they're playing, I agree that, that sweeping is definitely on the table. And if you look at each game in the vacuum, they probably should be favored based on what they've done so far. But it's really hard to win on the road. It's really hard to win back to backs. It's you know it's going to be was it the yes the the Sacramento game. It's going to be the the back to back without Al. That's going to be a tough game to win. Uh, but they can and they should be able to win all these games. And of course, as Max said, beating the Lakers it's its own special event. So uh, I will be watching that one with the same anticipation. Yeah, at least of which is Lakers and Celtics on Christmas Day. That just has extra panache, right? All right. Um, wow. I'm looking at the Sacramento Kings, who are ninth in pace, which is lower than I would have expected. And a segue to something I want to talk about when we celebrate Festivus. So what we're going to do is we're going to welcome Alex back from the mechanic or wherever he was into the booth, and we're going to celebrate Festivus. So Dr. Quinn, Release the ballers. Let Alex in. And so as Alex gets himself set up, Festivus is a celebration for the rest of us. It is a chance for you to uh, buck the trends that come with the holiday season, the consumerism, the forced smiles, all of that jazz. And instead, air grievances to your loved ones, your family members, or in this case, your favorite basketball team. So we're taking a page out of Seinfeld's book. We're going to celebrate Festivus. Again, if anyone could figure out how to do a feat of strength through Zoom, we'll do some feats of strength. But for now, we'll air some grievances. Alex, I hope you don't have any grievances for your mechanic. Uh, Justin, I laud you for being very ambitious with your timing tonight. Okay, Max, you get first bite at the apple. Give us a grievance about this Celtics team. And if you need me to give you an example of how it's done, I can go first. An example? Well, I'll just tell you my grievance, right? Okay, yeah, let it rip then. Uh, I I wish they 
played angrier like they did on Friday, it felt like, uh, and a little bit on Sunday versus the Magic. I want to see uh, – we can't swear, right? Yeah, you can swear. It's been enough time. Okay. Well, um, I want them to play fuck you basketball. I really yeah. – I love that. It was so great on Friday to see, and I just – when they have that, like, just desire to just punk the other team, it was like they had the second half of the year when they went to the finals. They just beat the crap out of every single team they played. It, I thought that they could really kind of get some momentum after that that Bulls game uh, where they had to just beat the breaks off them just uh, to get into the in-season tournament. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it, they didn't necessarily build off it, but they've still been really good, you know, other than that Pacers game. So... But just to see that, uh, see them to to really exact revenge on a team that punked them pretty bad, um, and to see Jalen just have such ill intentions when he's going to the basket, like that to me is like that's there for you every night. And I just feel like, especially Jason Tatum is always, you know, I wish he would he would be as angry at the opponent as he is at the ref sometimes. Like it's a you're getting fouled, I get it. Like, but like be mad at the opponent, be mad at the guy that slapped your arm, you know, and go dunk on him. You know, just to me, that's what I want to see. I want to see them play more with more of an edge, more of an attitude. And that's where we're getting with the beef stew thing is like, I do feel like they're missing that and not like a knucklehead like Grant can be sometimes who they had last year. You know, I want just real like, especially from their leaders, just, you know, the Tatum, the block on Garland versus Cleveland uh, in that second game, that was to me like a real fu play he had one uh on paolo as well yeah that was <laughs> and again like to me those are he had one on jai i think it was last year maybe it was the year before um where he was you could tell there was a little bit of extra like no 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 it was a who do you think you are i am moment you know like mm-hmm. i want more of those plays from uh the leaders of the celtics i hope Amit clips that for social media because i really <laughs> appreciate that take uh, jalen brown wants to dunk the basketball so hard I wish he had like three inches more on his foot because he would be the best dunker in the league. He's always like coming up a little short on landing the dunk of the game or the dunk of the year. But when it connects, it connects. All right, Dr. Quinn, your Celtics grievance, go. Oh boy, my Celtics grievance. Honestly, I would like to see a little bit more of the bench. I know the bench probably isn't very good. But I would like to see a little bit more of it. I don't necessarily mean the the players who have not looked so great. I'm sorry, Luke. You have had moments, and I have had to eat my words. But I want to see more Lamar Stevens. I want to see a little bit more Nimi Ashketa. I want to see Svi has not exactly been, you know, stopping anyone. But he can shoot the ball. And I would like to see him try a little bit more. It's a very minor complaint because it's very hard to have major complaints against a team with a 25 record, at least if you're sane. Uh, but that's the best I could come up with off the top of my head. That was too kind. I got a good one. All right, Alex, welcome. Hello. Let it rip. Ah, yes. Celtics grievances. Um, My Celtics grievance is a little bit more of a front office grievance, um, which is that uh, I am a little miffed and I understand that these deals are hard to do and it's not always perfect. And sometimes the perfect candidate doesn't emerge. I'm a little miffed that they couldn't get somebody in the Grant Williams TPE uh, to move by the trade deadline. I just feel like that's just an easy way to upgrade the roster. And, you know, given that Brad Stevens has demonstrated uh, so far uh, complete disregard for 
anybody who is uh, playing basketball currently that's under the age of, say, 23 or so, which I <laughs> laud him for and really respect. Um, I guess I'm a little surprised that they weren't more aggressive in trying to just get somebody in as a salary filler for a potential trade deadline deal. It's not a disaster. I think they can still get a perfectly fine player on that. But I think if I have a grievance with a 20 and five team that, you know, is going through a pretty hot stretch of basketball right now, it's that um, I would like to see them get even more cartoonishly good. All right, Alex and Justin, those were both really balanced takes, but that's not in the spirit of Festivus. We're airing grievances. We're not articulating <laughs> well-constructed points here. Okay. My grievance is that the Celtics need to play faster. I don't understand why they don't max. I mean, it's the same argument, play faster, win the game. They're 23rd in pace. They're 16th in fast break points and 18th in points off of turnovers. I don't understand why a team with five ball handlers and playmakers in the starting lineup aren't constantly pushing the pace. And instead they just slow things down. And then Jason Tatum takes some guy ISO for an 18 foot fadeaway. Like he's vintage Kobe. That is horrible offense. And when they push the pace, you get these like insane game breaker, Chris Tapps, Rosingas dunks or Derek White cuts it. And it's just the, the basketball is so beautiful when they up the pace. And it's so ugly when they default to the half court offense. And it's not like they're practicing that for the playoffs. It's just, they get lazy. I don't understand against the magic on Sunday who played pretty fast. They upped the pace. They, they had 23 fast break points and they look great doing it. So uh, first of all, it's more exciting and more entertaining, but I also think that the Celtics uniquely have the personnel to be one of the, not fastest teams in the league, but to make quicker decisions and really punish teams who aren't ready on defense. Because look, they're, they're not the Kings, as we just learned, are ninth in pace. They're not the Wizards who are just, I don't even know what to describe the Wizards as, but a, a storm in a teacup of a sort. But Man, I don't. I I just can't imagine being twenty third in pace with this many guys who can run. All right, I love Festivus. Max, you're back up. A player grievance for the Boston Celtics. Goes great, great with yours. Um, mine is Jason Tatum. Go faster, like move, yep. make quicker decisions. Exactly what you said. He's so good. He's so special. He's a yeah, special, he is. elite basketball player. Uh, best player on the team, and it's not a question. It never has been. Um, you know, he's going to be up there in the rafters and I just need him to stop dancing with the basketball side to side, just, uh, and then do your thing. Like you can succeed individually like that. Sometimes he's good enough. Um, but it's so much easier when you just do that, go, you know, dribble, yep. dribble, go. you know, not the, bah, bah, bah. just set him up because when you don't beat the guy, there's two seconds left on the shot clock, you know, like just go quicker, get the ball and make quick decisions. When he does that, he scores almost every single time or pulls defenders in and he can get a teammate in open three. Uh, it just, to me, it's the slowness, the, the pace of Jason Tatum specifically um, is my grievance. Just go faster, man. He's got it. Someone's going to delete the Kobe highlights off his computer and download a bunch of LeBron James, Miami highlights. Cause if he's not going to play fast, at least get your ass in the post because that's been working really well. All right, Alex, Celtics player grievance, go. Sure. Um, my Celtics player grievance is actually towards new acquisition Drew Holiday, who I think has largely played pretty well. But um, I have noticed that there are some times, um, particularly where Drew Holiday's 
I think defensive reputation is a little bit more rep than in terms of like specifically his on ball defense um, this year, which I think has been good. I don't think it's been great. Listen, Drew, love you. Glad you're on the team. Happy to have you here. Um, we brought you in because you have a rep as being amongst the elite on ball perimeter defenders in this league. Uh, so far, we've seen good defense from Drew Holiday. We haven't seen him clamping guys in the way that I was really kind of hoping we would see from him. Now, he's played better lately, and I think there's a lot of positive trends, but I am used to seeing Marcus Smart take guys out of a game. So a little holiday challenge for Drew Holiday. Um, I think you can be every bit as good an individual on-ball defender as Marcus Smart was in his heyday. We've seen it before. Um, let's try let's try and remove some of the best offensive players from opposing teams from these games entirely. Cool. Love it. Dr. Quinn. So I was thinking about the Drew Wild shot reminding us of Marcus Smart for a potential option, but since that's pretty much off the board, I'm gonna go back to a player who I even on this pod have been guilty of ragging on maybe more than I should, and that's Luke Cornett. And I'm not going to say that we need to trade him because he can't be what the Celtics need. We have seen him be what the Celtics need in games where he comes in and plays like his career is on the line, like a title might be up for the grabs if he doesn't play as good as he can. He needs to play like that every night if he wants to stay on this team. And he can play something like that every night. But there are so many nights where he just shows up, looks kind of lost, late to rotate, late to figure out what's actually even happening near him, missing defensive assignments, just something isn't quite connecting that we have seen him do and we know that he can do. The thing that will make him stay on this team, maybe not at this point because he hasn't demonstrated it so long now, but the thing that he can do, he needs to do consistently. So the lack of consistency we have seen from what Luke can do is going to be my player. Grievance. Uh, my player grievance is also Luke Cornett. So uh, trivia time. How many three-point attempts does Luke Cornett have this season? Zero. He has had 17 three-point attempts in his Celtics career. What the hell is that? In two seasons with the Knicks, he shot 272 threes. And oh, by the way, he hit 36% of them, which is pretty good for a seven-footer. I don't understand. Look, there's not a pick-and-roll ball handler for him to run high pick-and-roll where he flashes straight to the rim, which he seems to want to do. I wish there was. I wish he and Pritchard could do that. They don't do it. So, buddy, step out and shoot a three. You can do it. I know you can. I, I don't know if he's been forbidden, in which case my grievance is with Joe Missoula, but 17 over the course of three seasons with the Celtics and none this year is bananas to me for a guy, again, who shot 30 plus, no, 36-ish percent for at least two seasons when he first entered the league. Um, I liked Luke Cornette. He's a very personable guy. This very memeable guy, Max. I'm sure you get great content uh, out of good Luke Cornette games. But um, look, if the Celtics need a starter quality big in case one of the other bigs goes down, he's got to figure it out. Because Dr. Quinn, you're right. He's lost. And I would say he sh should find himself shooting threes. Okay. On to the NBA itself. Max, you get to go first again because you're the guest, unless you have a grievance with that. This is, fun. this is fun today because there's some news about this, and I just didn't – I had no idea this was happening. But my my grievance was going to be the Charlotte Hornets 
for bringing Great. my coaches back. Like, what are we doing? Like some people just, you give them a second chance and then they screw that up and you just don't give them another chance. He's a mm -hmm. rotten human being, a bad person. I can say that, you know, you know, it's objective. He's just bad. He's a rotten person. He, there's no, we weren't born with the right to be in the NBA. Like that's just, that should be a privilege and he should have lost that privilege with all the things that he's done. Uh, but today I got a mobile alert on my phone from Woj says that he's not allowed in Canada. Yep. <laughs> Can't go play that's the Raptors. Fantastic. Good, good job, Canada. It would be awesome if America did that, uh, or at least uh, the NBA, you know, said you can't cross our border now uh, because you're a felon. And it's not like it's any felony. It's awful. It's domestic violence. And it's things that he did after he said he wasn't going to do them again. You know, mm -hmm. really bad things. And I just, man, what a trash organization the Hornets are. Just absolute disgusting trash. You know, there's, a, you know, the fans, you know, I want them, you know, success for them. I don't hold anything against them. I think probably 99.9% .9 of the players are great. But, man, just what do you, like, just if you, whether you believe in karma or not, like, come on. Like, you don't need that. You're not good enough. Yeah, he's all. not good enough. You're that's, not, well, you're, exactly. It, well, that's what's so gross is, like, in a really transactional way, John Moran and Draymond Green are good enough to get the plausible treatment of mental health and intervention. And look, I bet we all agree that like progressive restorative uh, measures for people who have messed up matter, but it's- Yeah, a, and but to you, as Max was hinting at, like you can get a second chance, like you can be a pro basketball player again, but should you be in the NBA? Maybe after many years exactly. of demonstrating, but yeah. Well, no, it's, I think it's a, it's a weird ground where he's not good enough to get the like we need to make a big show of this and instead they're just trying to sweep it under the rug because it's the hornets have you and played for a it's not worth it it's not worth like selling your soul like that to bring this guy back because you're not competing even for the play-in yeah you're just putting a rotten dude next to your young team it's just awful no you know, it's screw the awful. hornets <laughs> yeah i mean sincerely it's not it's not a funny thing but it, it's flabbergasting to see from afar Okay, uh, Alex, your app it doesn't have to be as consequential as that. Mine's gonna um, be about Madison Square Garden. So, mine is in a similar vein, but with a little bit more of a history bent. Uh, and my grievance is, of course, with Adam Silver. Um, Adam Silver, my man. Positively comparing yourself to Henry Kissinger is a bad idea. <laughs> Henry Kissinger was a horrible human being. He was responsible for the deaths of thousands of people millions in some estimations if you really play it out and genocide in laos and cambodia uh you know the the destruction of chilean society the installment of a dictator in pinochet like just objectively a horrible human being the world is a better place now that henry kissinger is not in it and adam silver why on earth are you going on tv and comparing yourself to one of history's most vile war criminals. Like, what is your thinking? What is your plan? David Stern would not only never do this, but David Stern would probably say like 50,000 terrible things to you if you if he was alive to witness you doing this. Like, what on earth are you doing? Even Joe Biden was like, yeah, Henry Kissinger, a lot of people didn't like him. 
and then didn't <laughs> didn't offer a butt. Like that was his statement. Uh, agreed, Alex. Alex and Max. Wow, really bringing the heat this round. Okay, Dr. Quinn, what about you? Man, I thought I was bringing the heat with mine, but uh, it's no, there's just no comparison. The referees, they the, the hanging <laughs> on the rim, the the you you don't want people to show emotion, so you give them a tech for any show of emotion. Do you know what might cause the fight you're trying to prevent? getting really freaking frustrated with the officiating and then taking it on the first person who makes you pop. There needs to be some balance and some, I don't want to go down the accountability thing because I am not a referee and I, I am regularly like, that wasn't a blank. And then I see it on the replay and it clearly was after they explain what the rule was, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know better than the refs, but there are some, very obviously not good things happening with player safety with regards to the rim with over over officiating like the referees should be as invisible as possible and in this sport they are very much not and that needs to change yeah the, the rim thing in particular oh sorry max go i was just gonna say it feels like a lot of the young ones too that that i don't even recognize are the ones teeing up these stars and kicking them out of games it's like what are you doing it's not about you man and they shouldn't be chirping at you all game i get it like the players have to take a little bit of accountability but it not at the the accountability should not be star player ejected from game where all the fans paid money to see them like that's just the the economics of it and you're not screwing the team you're screwing over like the little kid with the jersey like that's all the money and the money i mean so much money is involved in betting and uh your over unders on player x doing y is not going to do well if they are not in the game. And to yeah, me, nice. it's, it's it, I just think uh, they just need to take a, a, a step back and say, look, if you, I think that especially someone like Jason Tatum needs a, a new strategy for how he deals with refs. They need a new strategy of how they deal with players. Like talk to the coach after at the whistle and just say, Hey, you got to tell this guy to relax. You know, he's crossing some lines, you know, report it to the league, have a fining system where they get fined. But you can't, you know, Jokic getting tossed, you know, in the first five minutes of a game or whatever it was. Like, On Serbian night. <laughs> Serbian night, exactly. Like, it, there's nothing he could have said. Like, it, it, they would have, it would have come out if he said something that egregious. No, the yeah. ref, just, you know, was in his feelings. That's awful. Also, let him hang on the rim. You got an extra one back there. It's fun. The best thing about the NBA is that at any given moment, you might see the most athletic thing you've ever seen in your life. And having to like put a bookend on it that they have to like end that moment gently. No, 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 no. This is a game. It's a consumer entertainment product. It is not church or the Senate. It doesn't need to have decorum when they dunk. That's so stupid. They have to back. I see the backup rim every time I go to TD Garden. It's there. It's fine. It's ready. And look at the um, NFL. They like they they used to uh, penalize uh, ce- excessive celebrations, and they got the no fun league term. Yeah. What? They do some crazy stuff now when they score touchdowns, and it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. funny. I'm like, I don't even know what happened, but I see a bunch of fat guys all in matching uniforms on the ground looking like they're in a canoe or something. I don't know. It's great. It's entertaining. Like, just just lean into it. And, I, you know, you don't want them, I don't know, doing stuff like that or whatever to opponents. I get it. But, man, hanging on a rim. Yeah. No, I've... I don't think there's anyone in the league, maybe Zion, who could actually take the rim down anyway. So what are he we can't doing get here? that high up anymore. No, I don't think he can. Um, speaking of Zion and his 
future home, uh, my beef, my grievance is with Madison Square Garden. I went to my first Knicks game in November, and guess what? It sucked. The building is ugly. The like new inserted halo. I had balcony seats. I couldn't even see the jumbotron. What the hell is that? It was not. There just wasn't juice in the building. I know it was Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe it was a lot of tourists, but I just I expected to have this first trip to Mecca. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen Rush Hour where Jackie Chan says he wants to go to Madison Square Garden see the Knicks play, but. I've spent my entire life wanting to go to Madison Square Garden and see the Knicks play, and there just wasn't that much juice in the building. Uh, so MSG, thanks for the free shirt, but I'm putting you on blast. I don't know. I don't see it. Um, also, anti-grievance, shout out to whoever's running the Celtics social media account right now. Uh, I know that they have new partnerships, and there actually have been structural changes there. Phenomenal. They are elevating the product so well. Uh, Justin, I'd like to talk to you about a story I'd like to do about that, but that's for off air. Okay. Max uh, of NBC Sports Boston, Max Letterman. Let's wrap it up. I will let you do one of two grievances or two quick ones if you want. A player grievance, someone in the NBA you want to put on blast, although you've sort of already done that, or just something in life, a grievance for life. Um, so you can do one or both, but well, let's start thinking about the clock. All right. Well, quickly, I'll just go with a life grievance. I, I got something going on with my hip. I'm not that old, but <laughs> it's like hip tendonitis or something. And I got to say, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a product. I'm like just a, a stat for, for the doctor. And like, I'm getting, you know, shipped into like a, a physical therapy farm where there's like tables everywhere. And like, I'm laying on one, someone's on another. I have one, you know, physical therapist working with both of us at the same time. They never once asked me, like, well, what do you think, like, causes the issue? They're just like, oh, must be tendonitis. No, like, is there anything in your life that you're doing that's changed? It's just, like, just moving me in, moving me out. I feel, uh, I don't feel cared for. I want to feel like I'm at <laughs> when I'm at a doctor. Uh, but thanks for the bill. I have a similar grievance. Uh, I recently broke my foot, and I also felt like uh, patient number 482, not patient named Cameron. Uh, good luck with your hip, though. Alex, a player grievance or a life grievance? Uh, I'm going to go life grievance, which is that uh, I missed the first half hour of this podcast because I was getting my car inspected, a process that I thought would be simple, easy routine, would take only a few minutes, and then I could scoot on out of there. <laughs> Apologies. Um, it did not. It took about 25 minutes longer than I thought it was, and they inspected it. And you would think if it takes 25 minutes longer than it's supposed to that, oh, there must be something wrong with my car. No, there's nothing wrong with my car. It passed the inspection. It's perfectly fine. It just took 25 extra minutes for reasons that I can't seem to explain. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't, the process is mystifying to me. Maybe it, I, I, I got nothing. All this is to say, um, what I thought would be a relatively quick and easy inspection turned out to be an incredibly long but somewhat easy inspection, and I missed the first half of this podcast as a result of it. So that's my uh, that's my grievance there. Although I'm glad my car passed the inspection. I was going to ask. All right, Doctor Quinn, what about you? Well, I think I'm going to end with a pervasive, deadly, super important grievance. What is this thing that is everywhere that is that can literally kill you 
salt in every goddamn food item I buy, have, look at, walk past. There's so goddamn much salt in everything in true old man fashion. Can we just put a little less salt in things, please? Sound Max. pretty about that. <laughs> I'm going to swing yeah. hard the opposite way on that, Justin. I want more salt always. You have my axe. Max adjusted. We got to put you guys out to pasture. Bad hips and salty food. Are you kidding me? All right. Here's my grievance. Listen, a Cape Cod fan. Thank you for listening to the podcast, but leaving the following review on Halloween is friggin' ridiculous. And I don't read our reviews. I just uh, went on Twitter and asked people to review our podcast because it's helpful. And then this was brought to my attention. He said that I talk too softly and too fast. Well, listen up, motherfucker. That's your problem, not mine. For you to go out of your way on Halloween to write a one-star review because I talk too fast, you get a goddamn life, my man, or woman, or them, or whomever. That is a ridiculous use of your Halloween. But if you want to say the same thing and rate us five stars, be our guest. Yeah, Cape Cod fan, come on and defend yourself. I'm ready. <laughs> Everyone else, if you like this illustrious podcast, please like and subscribe. I think and leave you've us. got a great voice. It's a perfect soft voice. That person's crazy. It's the only so reason to come on is because I knew that your soft voice was going to be here. It's my gentle voice. Uh, we had one. I know what episode he's talking about. It's my volume was too low and Alex's was too high. And I, one episode where we had a little bit of issue with levels does not equal a one-star review. That actually is a huge problem for us because of the way podcasts work. So anyways, Max Letterman of NBC Sports Boston, Alex Goldberg of Divine Sweater, Dr. Justin Quinn of Celtics Wire. I hope you guys have a very happy holiday season and a very wonderful Festivus, however you choose to celebrate it on the 23rd. Max, where can the people find you? Uh, still on Twitter. I'm never going to call it X. Uh, unfortunately. No, it's not unfortunate. We don't call it X. Screw that. Yeah, I just, you know, it's a cesspool. It's not as fun as it used to be, but, you know, I'm still there. Uh, and you know other places too but mainly there mainly there yeah mainly there all right on that wonderful bombshell thanks everyone for listening have a happy and safe holiday season happy festivus good luck with your feats of strength and we will see you next week au revoir